0: Welcome to the New Zealand Tech Podcast, presented by Paul Spain and Guest.
1: Welcome along to the New Zealand Tech Podcast. This is episode 147. I'm Paul Spain. I'm Nate Dunn. And I'm Ludwig Benzik. Hey, welcome along, guys. Great to have you both here. Uh, Nate, you're, uh, you're becoming something of a regular, or you probably have done for the last year, but just for those who uh, may be a new listener's, you can, uh, you can just mention where you uh, where you fit into the tech community.
2: Tech community. I own a company called 3Bit. We're a software company. We've been around for, I think, eight years now, nine years, Pre- predominantly a Microsoft shop. So that's my daytime job. And my other side daytime job is I own a cafe called 200 Cafe on Dominion Road.
1: Dominion Road. That's an
2: Auckland it for is, our listeners everywhere else in the is country. It is land.
1: But of course, Aucklanders forget that there is any other part of the country, don't they, Nate? I didn't know there was other part of the country. Well, you learn something new every day, don't you? <laughs> Apologies accepted. And uh, Ludwig, tell us uh, where you fit into the uh, the technology community.
0: So I'm a designer. I make websites. Um, people will probably know me because I run a conference called Gather. It used to be called Barcamp. Um, yeah. Well, very nice to have you here. Now, uh,
1: It'd probably be good to start for, uh, for, to, to maybe chat through a little bit about uh, Gather, a little bit about the, the conference or unconference as it is. Uh, maybe you could just give us a, um, a bit of a rundown on, uh, on where that came from and, um, and how, it's, how it's gone in recent years.
0: Sure. So it started oh, seven years ago. Um, you must was, have
1: been quite young when you started that.
0: This is the part of the story that everyone loves and I think is a bit boring, but I was 16 when I started um, bar camp. Uh I was in school and really bored and thought that I would have a lot more fun if Auckland looked a lot more like San Francisco. Uh so I started a, a little conference called Barcamp because somebody who I was talking to in the states uh said that that would be fun. Uh didn't realize that you're supposed to be old and have money and know how to organize events before you start to put on a conference. Uh, so I tried it, and it worked, and then I did it again the next year. So obviously you don't necessarily need to have all of those things. Apparently not. Not if you run an unconference anyway. That's the beauty of it. Um, but yeah, so it ran for five years as Barcamp Auckland. Uh, it was the biggest bar camp in Auckland. It's probably still one of the biggest unconferences um, or known as bar camps in the world. Um, and about two years ago, we rebranded as Gather, because we got a, a bit of a wider mission, if you will. And so this year was the second event um, as Gather. And both Gathers have been crazy sold-out events. And I
1: know, it always happens because I think, oh, I'm going to get around to buying a ticket.
0: Ah, oh, I've missed out. And it always happens. They're gone. I think this year we sold over 320 tickets in less than 21 days, which is amazing. Um, it's It's a pretty interesting day. It's very hard to describe to people what happens there. We had people teaching people how to make coffee, um, and then there were other people talking about web design. There were people talking about robots. It's, it's a really crazy day. Um, it's like the big day out for geeks, um, specifically geeks who work on the Internet. Um, and so that's that's our focus area, is people who, whose work touches the Internet and people who work with creative... Um, Outlets, cool. Now, you, Nate, you've
1: you've 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 attended quite. Um, I've been to a few of them, quite 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 a, quite a few times. In, in fact, your cafe was catering. This we year. catered I, this time, I, I so I just
2: had even more of a. But you're obviously
1: quite a fan. What what sort of stands out about Gather from your perspective? I think the fact that you get
2: you don't have a whole set of speakers that realizing uh, that uh, you're biased because you know, <laughs> yeah, the the founder sitting <laughs> next to me with um, a big stick. <laughs> I liked about it please don't hit me, Um, is the fact that you get speakers, you don't get all these sort of big ticket speakers. You get people that are just your Average Joe blogs that are really passionate about different topics. And um, like I actually did a session... Last, I think it was last year or might have been the year before, about the cafe and, and particular social media things. And it was really good to talk to people who are really into cafes and, and as a, a cafe owner sort of saying, this is how we run. And, and people would say, well, why don't you do this? Why don't you do that? Why don't you do this? And it's like, well, we try that, but it doesn't work for these reasons that we've found out. And there's so many different people that are so passionate about so many different topics. And it's, I really like the fact that it's not just someone at the, at the front saying, this is how it works. It's more of a discussion all the sessions I were in a discussion like I remember one of the years I sat in and it was a guy who worked at one of the top um, companies here in New Zealand talking about how he load balanced traffic in New Zealand and overseas And, and you had some people in there it was just amazing that this one person controlled so much so many different things and it was fascinating to hear about how different events affect you know their traffic volumes and all sorts of stuff so yeah even if we weren't catering i i bought a ticket actually before we'd got the the catering job um which I did not end up using because I was so busy herding the um p- the the participants through, which was a fun experience but it was- co- it was cool seeing it from a catering point of view and i've been i think four years as a an attendee so and I think you've been as well haven't you
1: no no i've never, you've I've never I'd, been I'll ne- oh, never make it i' right, had him with the yeah. stick yeah <laughs> so um mm, um but from everything i I always keep hearing it's it's um should I, well, should, well make sure, should I can we, buy you a ticket? Yeah, can you <laughs> pre, pre-buy me a ticket or something? How, ticket. Do I get, how do I get one now while I'm thinking about it? Um, all right. So, so there's that. And um, now there's also the Gather uh, workshops. Tell Where do they fit into the, the picture?
0: Right. So when we rebranded as Gather, it was because we wanted to do more than just one event every year. Um, and it's, it's along the same line um, of I wanted Auckland to be a lot more like San Francisco Tech World. Um, and that we wanted these, uh, you know, everyday folks who we, who we see walking up and down the street, um, making awesome stuff, probably in the desk next to us, um, who knew almost as much or, or um, you know, maybe even a little bit more than those crazy superstars that we pay heaps of money to bring over, um, to give them the opportunity to, to give back, to talk. And so we started gather workshops for schools where we go into schools and try and get kids interested in technology, um, specifically building things for the web. Um, And and that's been a great success. I think we've run two and we've got three more to go. Um, And getting the the professional uh, web developers involved and going into schools has been a lot of fun. Um, And then we've just today actually uh, run our first workshop for industry. Um, which is where uh, professionals can teach professionals. And so hopefully we're building a pathway for uh, web developers in New Zealand um, or creative technologists to uh, to build a platform and, and, and practice their, uh, their presenting and their speaking and their teaching skills. Um, and then hopefully that will make a pathway to making Auckland a lot more um, San Francisco-y.
1: That's cool. That's cool. Um, great. Great. Well, yeah, no, thanks for that intro. That's good. Now, uh, talking of uh, making uh, making Auckland and, uh, and I guess, New Zealand a little bit more like uh, San Francisco, um, Lance works who we just had on the New Zealand Business Podcast, uh, ha- has just launched the uh, Puna Kaiki Fund. Now, uh, I guess... The crossover here is that, uh, that they're set up to really uh, invest in and, and, and get behind New Zealand sort of uh, tech, web, internet, creative companies and, uh, yeah, get in and, uh, and help fund them. So, uh, and there's certainly plenty of that sort of funding floating around the uh, uh, San Francisco and Silicon Valley area, right? That's got to be a, a key part of uh, why they're so successful.
0: I think so. Um, I'm, I'm a huge fan of the Kunakaiki Fund um, and, and what they're trying to do, and I think that we have um, a lot in common in what we're trying to achieve. Um, the fund prospectus actually mentions Gather and, um, and that, that we're working towards the same goal. Um, one of the examples in the fund of the type of companies that um, it would want to invest in is Vend. Um, and Vend was a company that launched at um, Gather when it was still known as Barcamp Auckland, um, back in 2008. Um, and so that company has now um, gone through its early growth fa- phase and it's doing really well and getting lots of um, external funding. Um, and they've actually been a sponsor of, of Gather. So it's it's, it's a f- coming full circle where we've got some... Yeah, yeah that was good to see that they were on board as a sponsor. That's cool. Um, it, 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 it's it's very exciting. And mm. it, it shows that something is, is happening, something bright is happening. Um, and I think Punakaiki Fund is... Um, in the, in the right direction of um, giving the opportunity to those, those companies that need help with um, you know, early growth.
1: Yeah. So for those that are uh, interested, maybe you've got something to invest and in, you want to sort of, you know, get in at the uh, ground level, I think the minimum investment is uh, 2000 uh, New Zealand dollars and you can just jump onto their website and uh, all the details there, right?
0: Yep. I think they're actually taking, taking your money right now.
1: Yeah, you can actually, you yeah, know, you can, you can uh, upload your money
2: Oh, I think it's a cool option because if you've got like a client of mine who's in his 60s and has sold his business and it, it has a fair amount of, of money to to throw around um, he's done the um, currency you know where you buy currency and dump it when it when it works in your favor he's got shares and think mighty River power he just bought or one of the the floats that they've just done you know it just opens up another option because there are plenty of people around in that age group that have got a lot of money that probably don't understand exactly how the technology is. So having it in a consolidated fund where you've got a management company that look after it for you, I think it's a great option. And I think with the banks providing such a low return at the moment, like is it like 3% or 4% if you put it into term you don't, Yeah, you don't make a huge amount of uh,
1: interest at the moment it's on a perfect, um, bank deposits.
2: You've got the perfect um, sort of platform to look at some of these higher, okay, a lot higher risk but the returns could also be a lot higher as well. And, uh, you know, just to uh, to cover ourselves, we are not investment advisors,
1: so go and talk to somebody that is, <laughs> if you want advice on whether you should actually throw your money at the Punakaiki fund. Fund. Um, but, uh, yeah. That's uh, there's certainly a lot to uh, a lot to like about it, uh, and uh, I think they're they're raising between twenty and fifty million is what they're looking for, and then um, they're obviously going to be investing that. Uh, so if you've got a startup that's uh, that's doing okay and you need some uh, some extra dollars for growth, then uh, you might be wanting to knock on their door, even some bus money. Mm, not sure that they're uh, they're offering bus money, Nate. Um, now the other the other thing that's of of interest uh, f- from a startup perspective is uh, is Kickstarter, and um, we didn't get a chance to cover this last week, but they are coming to New Zealand uh, and to Australia. So um, up until now, although Kickstarter has been around, you can go and you know throw money at various uh, you know projects and uh, and so on, and buy products that are um, you know that don't exist uh, initially, uh, You, if you've got your own product, you can now or you soon will be able to um, list it on Kickstarter as a New Zealander without having to have some sort of US affiliation and so on to get it listed, right?
2: Have you guys ever bought anything through Kickstarter or supported any of the... I love Kickstarter. Have you bought anything through it? Yes. One or two things. I think. Oh, very cool. I've, mm. I've, I've always read the different um, pictures that they've got, but I've never really... There's probably enough. at least
1: one of their things kicking around this room somewhere if I can find it. Uh, but yeah, all sorts of unusual stuff. So if you have if you have not yet become a Kickstarter addict, um, then uh, yeah, it's worth going and going and have a look. There's all sorts of cool stuff that comes through there. Um, but yeah, it's good good to know anyone anyway, New Zealand's on the list now. Um, other local news: uh, Zero has hit two hundred thousand uh, subscribers, which is a pretty uh, substantial uh, number in the scheme of things for a uh, for a New Zealand company anyway well i think for for any any company there's uh, i mean if you look if you look at the number of companies that are offering uh, cloud based accounting services there 's not a um, there 's not a massive batch of them and uh, and zero has got uh, pretty strong growth i think uh, they 've doubled uh, they 've doubled uh, their subscriber base in the past thirteen months so if they can keep doing that they will certainly um, you know th- there would be an expectation they 're going to shoot past that
2: million uh, Subscribers within the next, um, well, not too many years. They make account, and we're quite biased because we are an API partner for them. But and I think, do you use use zero for? I use zero for everything for your accounts. And does Gorilla?
1: No, I can't divulge that sort of information.
2: Well, I use I use zero not only for the cafe, but we use it for three bit and. Traditionally, cafes and hospitality in general are very poor with um, receipts and generally, you know, keeping track of things for important things like tax. Um, so, I think one of the things that when we do catering for all sorts of people that they like is the fact we can actually send them a nice, pretty invoice pretty much straight away instead of a sort of small printout from a little Casio um, uh, till from the you know 1980s. Yeah, it's pretty good, isn't it? It just it's a really nice software. And if you aren't using, if you're not using Zero for your accounts, um, at least try it out.
0: It definitely is worth it. I think Zero are doing a lot of things right. And I think uh, they recently killed Zero Personal, mm. which, which everyone on the internet was all sad about. But I think it was the right move, especially since New Zealand has a local um, competitor to Zero Personal called Pocketsmith, which everyone should check out. Um, but I think they're doing the right thing and focusing on small business because I think that's where they make the most difference.
1: Um, well, that's where most of their customers are, right? And that should, that's good Good to keep focused. That's where they're going to make their... Uh you know they're going to pay back their shareholders and um, and do extremely well if they keep focused. Yeah.
2: And I think, too, that one of the things I got right from early on is, is starting to target accountants because realistically, uh, if you're going to swap accounting engines, your accountant has to be on board because if they sort of kick and scream, you're probably not going to do it so getting accountants on board making the tools really easy for them and then training them up so that they start pulling people across you, you in essence are increasing your sales force or unpaid sales force because you've got all these big zero fans who also happen to be accountants that start signing up their clients their front and centre because it's much easier than sending MYB files across which can corrupt and any of us who have had clients with the MYB files when it corrupts and you don 't have a backup um, you 're up the street thing uh, so you 're up the stream thing without the pedal thing mm, well' some lessons to be learned there about backups uh, now other news which
1: is somewhat less local um, it was it was rumored going back quite some way that Microsoft were going to buy out um, a little uh, mobile phone company uh, well a mobile phone company that 's become littler over uh, recent years than what it used to be, uh, Nokia. Uh, and that never actually eventuated. But what has just been announced uh, today is that uh, Microsoft are buying what they're calling Nokia's devices and services business. So, you know, effectively the core part of um, Nokia that we know uh, that makes the handsets, and uh, I think that also covers the um, uh, yeah their, their services such as their mapping services and so on. Uh, and the other interesting part of that is that uh, Stephen uh Elop who's a CEO at uh, Nokia at the moment is going to be uh rejoining Microsoft because he's an ex Microsoftian or whatever the technical term is for that what is the technical term for it Ludvig?
0: is it microsofty
1: softy <laughs> maybe just softy no idea um i've heard softy mentioned before but anyway so uh yeah that's 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 kind of interesting um a reasonably uh reasonably big deal i think they were talking uh 7 Seven point eight billion uh US was one number that I heard uh bandied or seven, yeah, over seven billion anyway, um US dollars being uh being bandied around, um which is
0: rather uh rather sizeable. I think the timing's kind of interesting with Steve Ballmer's alleged booting. Um I don't know what Microsoft's doing at the moment, but they're turning over all the rocks and moving things around. I hope they know what they're doing.
2: Was this a surprise for you, considering the Nokia Lumia? Do you think it's a... Is it Microsoft wanting to increase their smartphone thing, or is it Nokia giving up?
1: Well, no, I think what what it is is... Well, it, it is hard to know what goes on behind closed doors, right? So we don't know whether Nokia were... You know, saying, look, we're going to launch Android or something like that quietly, and we're using that as some leverage with Microsoft, whether they genuinely weren't happy, uh, because it seems their market share actually has, you know, has really sort of started to uh, started to turn around. And we're, you know, hearing today that um, a yeah, number of European countries, uh, you know, Windows Phone is up at around, um, you know, 8% um, market share. Uh, and we're seeing, you know, iPhone, um, you yeah, know, Sales and some of the stats we're seeing are around 16 percent in uh, um, on a global basis of you know number of handsets sold uh, so you know they do seem to be in some ways heading in the right direction uh, but Microsoft of course have said that they're turning themselves into a device and services business so for them to buy out Nokia's devices and services business does seem to line up with what they uh, what they announced a couple of months ago.
0: It does seem like the Lumia is going to be the Surface for their Windows Phone 8. What is it called? Windows Phone 8?
1: When, well, Windows Phone 8 is, is out. I mean, that's the current you know generation, 8. Um, yeah, there was talk of a Surface phone, so I guess, yeah, whether they will take away the uh, Lumia branding and put Surface on it or something else, you know, I don't know. But I guess, yeah, we're going to see, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see some interesting stuff. Going forward, but I think you know at the moment if we look at the Nokia phones, they seem to be making good quality uh, phones generally, some good cameras, uh, but you know they're still really up against it in terms of uh, you know market share. Yeah, sure it's rising, uh, but it's still uh, still pretty low figures compared to uh, you know compared to their competitors.
0: It's a really odd story for me. I think that the Lumia should be doing better. Uh, from everything that I've heard, the Lumia is one of the better phones that actually compares to the iPhone. Um, and it's not it's not doing that good. And I hope that if Microsoft um, buys it, they can turn that around. Not that the Surface was anything to go by.
1: Well, yeah, I'm not sure about Microsoft's ability to sell that type of hardware. But, uh, yeah, I guess certainly we'll look at Xbox and, um, you know, they have been successful with selling hardware in the past. Um, the figures that we shared last week around potential pre-sales in New Zealand of the Xbox versus the PlayStation were rather shocking um, and... Um,
0: they can sell keyboard and mice
1: who, yeah much. but who who knows i hope i mean i'm i'm presuming things will probably end up somewhat more balanced than the, than those those figures we heard uh, last week which was around playstation um outselling xbox about was it 5 to 1 was it yeah Interesting numbers. So yeah, this will certainly be a sort of space to watch to see what the impact, uh, what impact it has. What's the impact on uh, on shareholders as well? Uh, certainly, it's been a bit of a roller coaster ride for Microsoft shareholders. know um, yeah, with the various changes going on, and uh, obviously with Steve Ballmer uh, stepping down. Uh, and it's, I mean, overall, there's, I guess, a lot of uncertainty there around Microsoft's future. Uh, but one area where they are, um, or they do appear to be doing reasonably well, is in this thing called Office uh, 365. Uh, they seem to be winning um, winning some market share there uh, against uh, Google Apps. Uh, and the latest announcement we've heard is that uh, Microsoft are bumping up their email storage uh, on a per-user basis from 25 gigs to um, 50 gigs, and they do also have accounts that give you unlimited uh, storage. Uh, so this certainly helps make them a little bit more competitive. And um, their, uh, the storage that they give on a per-user basis as well on Office 365 uh, is, uh, is bumping up from, um, and this was announced uh, I think a few weeks ago, but, but ties in, uh, was bumping up from uh, 7 gigs up to 25 gigs uh, per user through, uh, through SkyDrive Pro. Do either of you guys use um, use Google Apps or um, or Office three hundred
2: and sixty five? We've used. Uh, I try to think. There was there's a tweet that came out where they um, did a big analysis of all your email, and it showed mm. all the like nodes of people you'd speak, spoken to, and you could actually move the scroll at the bottom of the screen across, and you could see as you spoke to like a particular client, the node would get bigger, and as the um, progressed and you stopped talking to them, it would get smaller. It was quite a cool tool. And it's from that, I realized that we'd, we've been on Google Apps I think it's seven years or something mm, ridiculous. Mm. And we went straight. The The um, use case for us was we were running uh, our mail server in-house and then our main firewall died, which probably didn't help because it was on a second-hand piece of kit and died on a Friday night, I think, when we were all at bears. Um, and that's when we made the decision to move to something that, or a service that um, specialized in email. They were far mm, better than mm. us. And the... For me, Google, this Google search part of Google Mail has always been fantastic and, mm. and all the filters and all different things. So, yeah, we use it heavily and, mm. and love it in the shared calendars and all that sort of stuff. What about you guys?
0: I don't think I've ever worked at an organization that doesn't use Google Apps for your domain.
1: And it seems to be now that, um, you know, you look at sort of, you know, certainly, you know, startups and smaller, um, you know, businesses, that's really been the only way to go. And it's only really just in the last 12 months that Office 365 has sort of got to a point where actually, wow, this is actually now a really good product, hmm. uh, but it's taken them a while to get there. And certainly the, you know, the web interface of their apps and you know, the sort of storage sizes and those sorts of things is really starting to uh, um, you know, put, them, put them up there with a really, really strong offering.
2: Now, I was, I was in Sydney last week catching up with clients and a, hmm. a couple of partner companies that we work with. and having lunch with one guy, one thing I'd actually never thought about is he, I think he had about a thousand Google accounts that he was reselling as a Google reseller and he was, a, he was looking at purchasing a um, a web hosting company purely for their web hosting and their email accounts. And he said to me that he could go and easily go in, migrate all their emails across and he didn't have to think about, oh, I've sort of got one server and it's a bit overwhelmed. I need to get another server but I don't really have enough for another server. You know, he can just go in, provision extra accounts, pay a little bit more. He charges his clients more. That, that whole Flexibility of being able to grow the infrastructure as you need to, like I like I knew about it, but I didn't, it hadn't actually really thought through the implement, uh, implications of it. Um, and I think in Australia too, part of the discussion we're talking about is that Office three hundred and sixty five isn't as popular as Google Apps because you've got to buy it through Telstra. Yeah, it's very
1: hard to buy. So I mean, here in New Zealand, you you know basically you you, know, you can buy it direct off Microsoft um, or you can work with a partner and. Um, uh, we have a division of Guerrilla Technology called Cloud Labs, which is you know focused purely on that stuff. So, you know, helping people move from you know, traditional on-premise email servers and infrastructure and so on, and pushing that stuff up to the cloud. Um, so we do a fair bit of that. And uh, yeah, I mean more and more what we're seeing is established businesses want to take their old exchange servers. Uh, and you know, ultimately, over time, get rid of those and get rid of their you know on-premise systems and move them to the cloud. And if they're already using that Microsoft stuff, it you know it makes a lot of sense to move to uh, uh, the Microsoft cloud-based offerings.
2: I, I, I really don't understand why Telstra is the only one. Sorry, go back to Australia. Why Telstra is mm. the only one? Because as my client was saying to me that if they sign up anyone with Office three six five, they then become a Telstra customer. And he said he had one guy on there, and they then start getting all the. Uh, Telstra advertisements and things, and so they they eventually start to pull the client away from you, and it's like, and I don't understand how how it's organised here where you can buy it directly, but in Australia you can't. Like, yeah, I think what
1: Microsoft, when they were launching it, they were thinking what's going to be the easiest way to you know to sell this stuff, and they thought, oh, if, well, if we can just get you know the biggest retailer in the country, which is you know when you've just got say yeah you know, three or four big telcos or less. Uh, then you know each one of those has a huge share of the market. Telstra probably had more than fifty percent of the market share in Australia, so they thought, well, we'll give it to them. We don't have to think about it, uh, and that's that's sort of the um, I, you know I get I guess how it works. You know, it guarantees they've got a partner that's going to go out and just uh, you know so, push push that. So mm. Mm. whether it's good or bad, um, I think a lot of people would say it's bad. But uh, hey. There's probably nothing that can be done until that uh, that agreement ends, right?
2: That's one.
1: Uh, now, uh, what's coming up this week? There is um, IFA is happening uh, in Berlin, which is, I guess, it's really the big tech conference for uh, for Europe that that happens annually. There's going to be a whole uh, bunch of stuff uh, launched there. because last week we were hearing about uh, Samsung's Galaxy Gear, which is their uh, their new smartwatch. Uh, Galaxy Note Three. Uh, there 's been quite a lot more that 's landed online, and uh, certainly if you visit any of the big tech sites over the next um, over the next two, you know two or three days you 'll see a whole a whole bunch of sort of detail there on on what has actually been announced um, as we record this there 's yeah, nothing official has sort of landed yet, but it will be uh, over the next uh, few hours we 've heard about um, acer 've got a smartphone that can shoot um, 4K definition video, so you know four times the normal um, high def that we uh, that we can capture today. Uh, Sony have got uh, fine. I think we talked about uh, last last week with a you know 20 megapixel camera. Um, All sorts of bits and pieces that'll be uh, that'll be coming through. So should be a bit of fun. Now, anything you guys are particularly uh, looking out for and expecting to see?
2: No, I'd actually not heard of this. I I knew about. CES in, in Vegas that happens every January, but I didn't actually know there was. a Well, European this is energy. sort
1: of like, yeah, it's sort of
2: like a European CES, I guess, in, uh, in, in many ways. I know um, I know a lot of people that are holding out for the Note Three. Actually, I know three or four people who, as soon as that drops, they're going to grab it. but I just the Note's just too big. Who uses that as a
0: phone?
2: it reminds me of the Sesame Street phone. A, know, lot, a, lot people, a lot a lot of people use
1: it. Where I I I um I I use it. Um I'm not using it at the moment. Um but when when I was uh when I was using it uh regularly and as everyone probably gathered I'll chop and change phones just about every every week to sort of uh, keep up with what's going on and, and what the latest thing is but uh, the the main frustration I had with it was when I was misbehaving in the car so when I should have been driving and not touching my phone and trying to grab it and just do something very quickly and because it is so big you really need two hands on it and when you're driving that's yeah. not so easy to put two hands on the phone, I can assure you. And drive so, with your knees. Anyway, so I'm, um, yeah, I do that less and less, but, you know, someone's like, oh, I just need to, you know, da da, da and, uh, yeah. If there's any police listening to this, you can send any details to Paul Spain, care of... I didn't. It wasn't. <laughs> Nate did it.
0: Um, I think the first time I saw somebody using a Note, I thought they were actually using a tablet with uh, as a phone, and I, I was quite intrigued. But with all these other new phones that's coming from the likes of Samsung, they're all getting so huge that I don't think the Note is as comical as, as it was when it first came out.
1: Well, and the Note keeps getting bigger as well, um, just you know, just to add to it. But uh, yeah. I have, so a, I have m- a
0: bit
2: of a chuckle when I see someone using an iPad like a camera, you know, when they like flip the case out and they're holding it up. And if they're in the audience watching their kid perform, no one else can see anything because they've got this massive iPad in the way trying to record.
0: My grandma does do that.
2: That's a good laugh.
1: Now, one gadget that we have got here, that we were looking at before, that has been released, it is official. Actually, it came out elsewhere in the world, but it only just landed here. Is TomTom's uh, Modi Sport uh, GPS watch, uh, and this was one of the uh, one of the things I showed off on TV3 on Monday, and. Uh, it's actually it's actually pretty cool. Um, there've been a range of sort of smart watches and sport watches and so on starting to come over onto the market over the last sort of twelve months or so, uh, and this is one I quite like. Now it's not priced particularly cheaply, but it is broadly available in New Zealand. Uh, Four hundred and seventy nine dollars for the um, multi sport watch, and there is the runner one, which is is a lower price. Uh, and this comes with an attachment, so you can attach it onto your bike, so you can use it cycling, uh, swimming, running, and on the treadmill and There are different techniques that it uses so that it can get accurate info about how fast you uh, you know you 're moving and traveling and calories burn uh, and you can also it 's got a um, Bluetooth wireless so you can link it up to a um, a heart rate monitor if you want to wear one of those, and all of that gets fed in and then it can get fed back into um, software on your computer quite quite cool.
0: So I'm holding it in my hand, and it's worlds ahead of that Kickstarter gem, the Pebble Watch. Um, it's also an e ink screen, um, and it looks like a watch that I might actually consider wearing. Um, it's not a smartphone, a smartwatch though, is it? Well, it
1: depends how you define a, a smartwatch. I mean, it's not; it doesn't have Android sitting in it. I mean, it's smarter than a traditional watch, but it is focused at you know its niche is is sport, is exercise. Uh, so, yeah, it's not a, a broad sort of featured. I mean, somebody might hack it, uh, but, you know, other than that, it's not going to run uh, all sorts of other apps and let you see your Twitter stream on there and check your emails and, and texts and things like that. Um, I mean, technically, it does have uh, Bluetooth, so it can chat to other devices. Uh, but, yeah, you're right, it's not a sort of a, 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 um, a broad smart uh, smartwatch, as, is, is, you know, that, that term so how usually
0: long does covers. does TomTom Tom have to sell these things before they get replaced by the shiny new thing?
1: Well, who knows? I mean, last year, of course, um, Nike were selling uh, sport watches, and they had teamed up with TomTom Tom to release them. Of course, TomTom Tom doesn't usually get a lot. You know, when you get two brands come together like that, usually one brand sort of gets most of the noise, and, and you know, it was very much considered a Nike product. Uh, so this year, TomTom Tom have decided to uh, go it alone with their, with their own product. And you know, I think to some degree, companies like TomTom that have you know focused on GPS, the traditional navigation side over time will shrink as more and more people use you know use smartphones, or the current devices are pretty good. Um, and yeah, this this is one of the one of the products you're going to come up with. I think we're going to see more also uh, products that are in the sort of the health space that monitor all sorts of things. And, you know, ultimately you'll feed all sorts of information back to your doctor about the exercise you're doing and what's happening, maybe your diet and and other things, and you'll be able to actually track yourself and see, you know, see how you're doing. One of the things I like about this is you can race yourself. Um, So, you know, once you've sort of, you've you've set how long it takes you to do a lap or whatever it is you do, uh, then you can race against yourself and try and, you know, beat yourself or at least, you know, you've got something that you're aiming to sort of keep up with a particular speed and so on, which I think is quite cool. Is it waterproof? It is, yeah, yeah, you can go swimming in it, and what it does is you you tell it the length of the pool and then it knows you know your strokes and when you sort of you know, you know hit the end and and go back the other way and so on, and just giving it that length information means it can keep a you know accurate track on uh, energy burned and you know distance and all those sorts of things.
0: You mentioned GPS, I think GPS is a good indicator of where uh technology like this is going, and that uh GPS started out really expensive, like this four hundred and eighty dollar watch. Um, but then, as the sensors got cheaper, they got put into things like the iPhone, and now the the place to be making money um, with GPS and mapping is is in the the intelligence and the software. And I think that companies like TomTom, although they're they're trying to make you know interesting products like this watch, um, are going to miss out in the long run, where where software companies um, are going to you know reap the benefits uh, of. Uh, this type of technology when these sensors get really cheap and they get put in our clothing and, and you know, that's... Yeah,
1: well, it, I mean, it certainly comes down to, the, you know, the, the software, you know, to, you know enabling them and, and doing the fancy stuff. Uh, but You've still got to, you know, wrap up some hardware that's going to be waterproof and, you know, not get damaged and so on. But if they can package those two pieces together, that can work pretty well. Apple have done reasonably well with a, with a phone and, you know, so have Samsung with a bit of software, a bit of hardware, mix it up and uh, they make a few billion bucks. Amazing. So we'll yeah we'll we'll um, we'll keep watching these. I hope we will get sent more of these uh, these types of gadgets. to Have a little bit of a play with, uh, but always um, always fun to see uh, to see new ones. Now, um, one other gadget we've got here uh, is a white Samsung notebook. Now, uh, Samsung recently announced they're launching a new uh, a new set of. Uh, Laptops The 8 of Range Or a T We still haven't got the pronunciation of this um, Since they confused us By pronouncing it two or three different ways When they launched that brand last year Uh, This one is the uh, What is this one called The 8 of Book 9 Lite We're told Now There are a few uh, A few different models Of the 8 of Book Now What's your What's your take on this one Ludwig? Just from a sort of a, an aesthetics point of view, because I know as a, as a designer, as a creative person, and a bit of an Apple fan, um, you, you like stuff that's quite um, stylish and pretty. Yep. Um, what's what's your take? How does it
0: look? So I haven't looked at it, a, at a, other than the Surface, at a, do you say Windows machine? At a PC um, in a long time. And I, the first thing I noticed for this is the keyboard is very Apple-like, these little white chiclet keys i'm super surprised that samsung makes everything including fridges um i feel like they have one person working on this product and then another person working on another product um i don't think it's bad but it does look a little cheap
2: which i think
1: was part of the yeah this is the this is their lower end product now um it's got a 128 gig ssd uh we should actually put it on the scales to see what this weighs. It's probably it's probably in a specification sheet somewhere. 1.4
2: kg. 1.4 17 kg, realistic.
1: okay. Uh, but there's something very interesting about it, and that's a sticker just below the keyboard to do with the processor. Now, we're quite used to seeing an Intel Inside sticker um, on every Intel-based laptop other than those produced by Apple, Um, who don't allow those nasty stickers all over their uh, computers. I don't like stickers on the front of my computer either. As you'll see, I've pulled them all off. Um, But it doesn't. It's got another sticker on there. Nate, can you... I can't quite see it. Can can one of you read it out? What does it say?
0: Quad-core. X4 Quad-core. It doesn't even look like it's AMD.
1: So it doesn't actually tell you the brand. So I thought that was really surprising. It's... Almost like, you know, and this is AMD-based, so it's got, you know, AMD being the to Intel, it's got one of their chips in here, but maybe their brand has been so devalued that now actually they don't want, you know, or the PC maker doesn't want AMD to be uh, mentioned on there.
2: I found it a bit confusing because... I looked at it and saw times four quad-core and I thought, oh, four quad-core processors. That's 16, yeah, cool. This is a really high-powered machine. For well, me.
1: even quad-core, because most laptops are, are dual-core, right? So you think, oh, quad-core, this is going to be off the charts. Oh, I can't wait to see how it performs. Uh, and we went in there and uh, checked the Windows Experience Index and I think it came in at 3.9 or something. It was very low. So it's a it's a very low-performance computer you know in terms of processing you know compared to most that we're uh, used to but that is also uh reflected in the uh, in the pricing and it's um yeah it's a reasonably well priced um reasonably well-priced machine so. so the
2: specs are a little bit lower than that alienware machine the 18 that we uh scoped out
1: yes the alienware <laughs> that we played with recently although it's about half that the was off the record, charts the that size. was complete other end of the scale so the i think now i've got a price for the eight of book nine light and the eight of book nine light touch um now this is a touchscreen one. But the box on it uh, the box said eight of book nine light so i don't actually know if it's the nine light or the nine light touch i'm presuming it's the nine light touch um yeah so 1349 that's touchscreen a... machine quad core quad core though quad core very powerful it's
0: quite expensive so were these samsung phones that take 4k video or whatever when that's coming and we've got 128 ssd hard drive is that all that's in there
1: I think it's a. I mean, it may be available with different uh, different specs. That's just the one we've been sent through for uh, for review. So, I mean, there there, um, there are a range of different models. So, if you're interested in the stuff, it's worth worth having a look. Um, their, their, um, their higher end one is the Book Nine Plus which comes in nearly twice the price at um, 2499 in New Zealand. But this one, and unfortunately we haven't had our hands on yet, this is one I was really looking forward to seeing, um, has what they're calling a QHD Plus display. So it's 3200 by 1800 pixels, so um, well past a full high-definition uh, display. And that one apparently can deliver about uh, 12 hours' worth of uh Battery life as well, uh, up there with uh, with the MacBook Air, um, and yeah, definitely you know more at that sort of business end of it. Uh, But I guess that the other thing worth mentioning about Samsung is they're not, although that's a sort of a you know sounds like a business class machine. uh, Their products are very much consumer. They don't actually have a division or any sort of um, you know corporate type uh, type focus. And as far as we're aware, I'm not sure you can. You know, even get those standard corporate type things like a three year on site, you know, warranty and so on. Um, that said, Apple doesn't deliver that in New Zealand either, just quietly, and we wish they would, like they do in every, most other parts of the world, like Australia. Uh, but anyway, enough ranting about warranties. But um, yeah, so there's a, there are a range of these new Adiv uh, books, and Adiv being the branding that uh, Samsung are putting on all their, uh, uh, all their Windows stuff now. So, so
0: is the book denying the MacBook Air, competitive line?
1: Uh, no i 'm not sure it is directly because i mean this is a this is you know a lower end and lower cost product in this case uh, i don 't think they 've got a maybe a direct compete and then there are things in there like the touchscreen, which of course isn 't relevant uh, on you know on the apple side we don 't have you know touch screen um, machines but uh, probably where we the, the device we 've had that probably was aimed at trying to uh, you know compete there. Uh, was the uh, the Sony Vio Pro that we looked at uh, at the um, at the launch of the Haswell uh, processors, and that that came in uh, with a touchscreen and with um, with a lighter weight than the uh, the MacBook Air, um, but not as robust. So yeah, it's, I mean it's certainly it's good to see there being a bit of competition out there and um, things getting mixed up a little. Well, I think that just about brings us to the end of our schedule. Oh, one more thing to talk about. Uh, now, a company that we talked to uh, at the High Tech Awards, actually, one of the winners there, uh, we talked to Shona Grundy, who is the CEO at uh, Trigger Happy. Uh, her company, Trigger Happy, has uh, just in the last uh, two or three weeks launched, finally launched their um, their first app, uh, which is called uh, Toon Hero, apparently doing, uh, doing quite well for them, and... Uh, they've uh, They've picked up quite a bit of international interest for this one and um, with Toon Hero you can basically go in and uh, they've they've done some licensing deals on various cartoon uh, characters uh, and you can basically make your own uh, make your own cartoon now you were you were looking at this before uh, Ludwig and you were saying you didn't recognize any of the uh, of the cartoon characters
0: yeah so i I saw Shona speak at girl geek dinners and she was saying that they were talking to all the studios um and it was really heartening and i got really excited um and so i think the premise is that you can uh create your own stories with the characters that you love um and i got really excited about the premise and i did not recognize any of the characters so i might be out of touch and i might not be up with the kids on what's cool um there is
1: the also a, a, a i guess it's a sort of freemium model you can Do certain stuff for free, but then you've got to pay for certain things so that they've got some revenue coming back. Uh, I'm presuming that's their their uh, their model. I've forgotten the details because it was a little while ago that we talked to them. But it may be that you've got to go in and pay to get those, you know, to get some of the coolest cartoon characters or something.
0: Um, It's possible. I haven't actually used Toon Hero. I've only seen um, Shona speak about it and I've watched their um, promo videos because I think the idea is really exciting. Yeah. Um, I would like to be able to tell stories with. Uh, Mickey Mouse etc and and we don't have those characters yet which is a little disappointing but it might be that I don't know what's cool anymore Um, Mickey Mouse might be not for everyone
1: Mickey Mouse is still retro cool he's going to be cool for a long time Um. Nate what characters would you be looking for
2: Um. (laughs) Oh, I'm a massive fan it would have to be something probably out of Family Guy one of those characters i watch far too much Family Guy all right. Um are- and The Simpsons probably.
0: I do feel like they'd only need to get one of the big studios on, on board, board. Yeah, all the kids would be wanting to tell the stories, and then all the other studios mm. would be clamoring for it.
1: But uh, it seems like a cool concept, and we'd certainly wish them wish them all the best. Uh, but that's it; we have finished for this week. So, thank you everybody for uh, for listening into the New Zealand Tech Podcast. Now, of course, you can find us online nztechpodcast.com Um, great if you want to uh, keep up to date with our episodes you can uh, you can follow us on twitter at nz tech podcast we're on facebook.com slash nz tech podcast and i think we've even got an email sign up on the um, on the website now or we will do very shortly Uh, we do on the other podcast websites um,
2: now guys where do we find you online Nate you're, you've got the easiest Twitter handle in the world <laughs> just Nate N-A-T-N and if you want to read my blog which I haven't updated in ages because I've been too busy working is Nate D-U-N-N dot com excellent
0: so you can find me at, at Ludwig W on Twitter Um, and if you want to find out what we're doing with Gather you should go to gathergather.co.nz if you have a kid in school and you want them to be involved with technology then um, get in touch with us and and make us get in touch with your school so we can get some workshops happening there Um, and if you yourself work in technology then sign up as a volunteer so you can go help kids become awesome and help um, fulfil Paul Callaghan's dream for New Zealand to become the next tech hub of the world
1: love it now next time we talk to you you're going to be in another part of the world aren't you
0: I might be moving to San Francisco.
1: Well, we look forward to hearing hearing a little bit more from you once uh, once you're on the on the other side. Um, you've talked a lot about San Francisco and uh, and wanting Auckland to be like San Francisco, so uh, we certainly hope you enjoy it up there.
0: I'm going to learn a lot and bring it all back.
1: And so on. Awesome. Oh, well, that's great. Well, thank you for joining us. Uh, you can track me, Paul Spain, on Twitter at Paul Spain, uh, and uh, you can also find me on Google Plus and. Uh, all those other sort of social network type things. So thanks, everyone, for listening in. We'll catch you all next week. Uh, and uh, definitely have a look out for our, uh, our newest podcasts, uh, the New Zealand Business Podcast, uh, where we talk to uh, Lance Weeks from uh, the Puna Kaiki Fund uh, and also the New Zealand uh, Digital Podcast. We've got some new episodes of that uh, coming shortly as well. See ya.